Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Traveling Hooper. Today, we're focusing on the draft. And with us today, we have three draft experts, people who cover the draft very closely with various teams and media sources. I will go ahead and let my guests introduce themselves, starting with our guy, Vaughn. Hi, name is Vaughn, Vaughn Dukes, also known as Vaughn Dukes Scouting, sophomore at University of Illinois, Chicago, currently managed for Division One UIC Flames, about all from Jamel Hines, I'm a scout for PPA Group. I'm also do some work with TLSM Media. I'm doing draft And uh, Matthew? Yeah, so I'm Matthew Winnick. Um, I write as well for TLSM, Movie Sport Media. I'm also a college basketball writer for Busting Brackets. So I kind of have both sides, the NBA and the college side. Hey, great. Perfect. All right. And I want to thank you guys again for spending this time with me. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the show for today. So, again, starting with pretty much that same order, I want to go ahead and get our first question out the way. Bond, who yes, is your number one draft pick and why? My number one draft pick, I got James Wiseman hmm. from okay. Memphis, who just, just left Memphis. Reason being, I was able to see him in person. And physical freak athlete, can really maneuver through people, has really good footwork. And I was able to see him practice on his own beforehand the day before we played him. He's just really good, has really good touch from the mid and the three. And his athleticism at seven foot one, I believe, and person is truly crazy. Jamil, what about you? My number one prospect on the board is Lamelo Ball. I mean, this this kid at six six, you know, at, at, at his teenager over in the NBL, averaging seventeen seven and six, um, with mm-hmm. almost you know a steal and a half per game. I mean, in this prime, Lamelo is going to be a walking triple double threat. Um, the only thing with him, if you believe in his shooting, um, personally, I do. But he's someone that's going to be able to distribute. He's going to unlock things with, with everyone that's on the floor uh, for the rest of the team. And just these guys are going to be in the top five in assists, I think, year in and year out. And it's hard to pass with the point guard with that type of size, that skill, um, just an elite feel for the game and vision. Yeah, and for me, I'm definitely going with Anthony Edwards. Um, it's actually pretty interesting that we all had different picks, but for me, Edwards is the biggest, is the best fit for today's NBA, right? He's a guy that can play on the ball and off the ball. So he pretty much can slide into any roster in the NBA and become successful, where we're looking at guys like Wiseman and LaMelo Ball. Those are guys that need shooters around them, that need skill around them. Edwards is the skill, and I, I, it's hard to find a roster in the NBA that he doesn't fit on right now. Because of that reason, his skill yeah. at 6'4", point guard and shooting guard, combo guard, he can shoot it from three. He's a big guy. He can guard probably three positions in the NBA. Really, versatility is his name, and that's what he brings to the NBA. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like about you guys, and that's what I like about this draft class. There are so many guys who have an actual chance of being number one, that none of you guys have a consensus pick. But they're all dudes that, just from the eye test alone, we can tell are going to produce at the minimum we're looking at starters. And that's that's why I love the 2020 draft so much. There's a lot of guys who are just 
solid starters. At least that's yeah. what I feel like. For and sure. I was going to going off of that, I would say that maybe there isn't the superstar projected player that other drafts might have had in the past, like the Doncic and Trey Young from two years yeah. ago. Um, but there are, like you said, the, the top four really. I would say Wiseman, Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Cole Anthony are four mm-hmm. guys that, that it's going to be pretty tough for them to not succeed, right? No, they, might not yeah. be, like, they might not be all-stars, but they're going to be good starters in the NBA just based off of their skill set alone. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, so I had you guys bring a full list of 10 prospects who uh, – 10 of the best – your best uh, draft prospects – and since we already got number one out the way, let's get into our number two pick. Well, at my number two, I want to pick back. I had Anthony Edwards because he has really good six frame at 6'5", 220 plus. And when I was able to watch him practice, he was a guy that can just have this innate shot creating ability. No matter who you put on him, no matter what situation, single coverage, one zone he was a guy that was able to get to his own spots and he's able to make really good shots and when he's in rhythm he's a really good player absolutely at two i have anthony edwards um for him and lamello been balanced for number one for me but anthony edwards you know is been saying six fives 19 points per game nearly five rebounds three assists i'm more of a shot maker than an actual shooter but he's an effort with score and i like that on that type of package, he's a guy that's tailor-made to average 20 points. Uh, my biggest questions for him is really just shot selection. It, at times, it's it's been terrible. And it's something that you would hope that can be improved on, but that also comes uh, with the feel for the game as well. That's not always consistent there for him. You'll see what um, what he does defensively. You like the tools that he has, the athleticism, athleticism but it's not that consistent. He splashes vision as well, but that's not something that's consistent either. And I think for a guy who's just an effortless scorer with questionable shot selection, that does give me some worries. Uh, but he's arguably the best scorer in this draft. Yeah, and for me, I got a guy that we haven't really mentioned on yet, and that's Cole Anthony. He's someone mm-hmm. in the same light as Anthony Edwards for me, who's someone that I really see translating to the next level. I mean, we didn't get a really good look at him. He got injured pretty early in the season on a very flawed North Carolina team. I mean, We've seen him have some pretty bad losses since he got yeah. out and injured. So clearly that, that team wasn't built for a guy that's going to come in and score in the NBA. Like defenses were completely focused on him. But what we've seen throughout his high school career when he played at Oak Hill Academy or even in showcases where he won MVP at McDonald's All-American game, right? Like this is a guy that puts the ball in the basket. He's an alpha point guard. He's someone that you want on your team because he's going to make winning plays. And that's the type of person that I want when you have the skill set, the tutelage that, you know, his Hall of Fame, like the all-star level starter, Greg Anthony, his father, instilled in him growing up. I really think that that's the type of guy that you want on your team to become a better team. And when you're drafting, really, that's your main goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we move on to three, I will say um, James Wiseman has won. That's probably from what I'm hearing so far, at least early is kind of the biggest discrepancy that I have on my board. I actually have James Wiseman. It may shock some people, but I have James Wiseman at 11. Mm. 11th? I do. That's pretty low. That's, yeah, that's, that's almost I've, seen, I've seen a couple of people have him pretty low. It hasn't proved much yet, right? That's the thing. And that's, and that's the big thing for me. I mean, with his athleticism, his frame, you know, I love all that. 
But for me, I have not seen a guy that completely buys into that role that his frame dictates and being able to be elite at that, be an elite rim runner, be um, an elite rim protector, uh, lobster, those type of things. I don't see him consistently want to thrive and be a master in his role, those basic things. He wants to move on the perimeter a little bit much. I'm personally, I'm not a believer in him being able to be a consistent three-point shooter. He wants to have more of that guards game, more of, of, of the, the cat, more of the MB, some of those unicorn-type big men, which is skilled that I think that he has to an extent, but not to that level. And I think he thinks he has it more than what he actually has. And he probably could get to that point, but if you get a guy who does not match those basic things for what his um, elite physical tools do, that does worry me. So if um, he does go to a situation where you can get that out of him, I completely understand him in that top five. And uh, once again with this class, it's, it's really going to come down to fit and where people mm-hmm. on their board, what if you can, if you have a wide list, you think like that's a better fit for you um, there for me to guard. So it's really going to come down to fit. And I would say right. for the first time in a while, you don't obviously always want the number one pick, but it's not necessary in this draft. It's a strong chance that the best player in this draft may not be the first pick. And I really like what you were saying there as well. Like, it's kind of scary to think about, but if the Warriors do end up getting a top three yeah. selection, of course, of yeah. course, the lottery's all over the place. But, <laughs> yes. you know, like, I would say even if they get number one, I know that some people have Wiseman on different places on their board. But if you're the Warriors and you have yes, Curry bro. and Thompson coming yes. back next year, you don't know what the whole D'Angelo Russell situation is. That's where James that's Wiseman it. goes. Like, that's, that's the perfect fit for someone who you want. Like you said, he's a guy that has all NBA defensive potential. But the offense really isn't – you don't need that guy taking 15 shots a game. So you put him on a team with shooters, with scorers, and let him really play that defensive role. That's really where he could shine. Yep. But will he buy into that role? That's that's my biggest question. Well, you know what? If he's on the Warriors, he's got no choice. So Yes. (laughs) He's not taking taking 15 shots on that team. Absolutely. (laughs) When I was there with Sam, when he played, he's not the type of guy – he like he doesn't demand the ball. More so the coach wants to get him in positions to score. And then he like when I start, he's really the guy that wants to get to when you throw it to him. When you throw it to him, he's going for it. And when he can't get a block, he's going for a block. So he's, his motor is not really a question. It's more so about, like you said, buying into that role. Which I think he will, because he's a really reserved guy. He just wants to do the best for his team. That'd be a that'd be a guy who you're more weary of in like on your second contract. Yeah. Like just just in case he starts to fill himself, I could see him branching off and like like that. His sixth year, I could see that being the year where he's kind of like, nah, I won't do this. Mm-hmm. As most stars. Yeah, true. Uh, let's go ahead and go into our third pick. Who do you guys have? Well, well, in my third, I got yes. my favorite player out of draft. Guy I've been watching since he's been playing with his brothers at Chino Hills, Lamelo Ball. But really, the only reason I have him at third is because I don't know how lottery seating goes. And like, like I said, James Wiseman words, that's my perfect fit for him. But the point guard situation in the NBA is really daunting. But at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, LaMelo Ball is the type of guy that can do everything on the court offensively. And it's all regular to him. It's just like him playing on an actual court. No matter who he's playing, no matter what the talent, athleticism, just a guy that can do everything he wants to do on the court offensively. Now, defensively, that's where he falls. He knows what to do, but it's really will he try to do it. And playing really good point guards and a guard studied three-point shooting league, 
he really has to be able to pick him on defense and care about it more. I For agree. sure. Yeah, for me, yeah. I got Wiseman at three. I mean, mm-hmm. the potential is just otherworldly. This is a guy that defensively can really be a top five defender in the league mm-hmm. just because of his size, his length, and you combine that with his athleticism. I, re- I-, I have a ton of faith in him defensively. But, and, and everyone just like really developed his jump shot. To me, I don't think he has to. I think he might be better off just being a rim runner. And we've seen a lot of people have success in that role in the NBA. So to me, that's Most his definitely. role. I think he can play it perfectly if he's in the right situation. And for that reason, just that talent, I got him at three. So at, at three, I have Paul Matthew. I was said earlier by Matthew. He's similar to Anthony Edwards in the sense that he is amongst the best scorers in his draft. He's a combo guard. Personally, I don't want him being my prime facilitator with playing that guard. He's more of a two. Um, in the one's body at 6'2", 6'3", but he's a polished scorer. Um, I like to really put things in context, and then that North Carolina situation isn't perfect. I mean, it really isn't great. You see what they're looking like with him not playing right now due to injury. And, you know, I think that has something to do with his numbers, especially um, from, the, from the field goal percentage perspective. And he just kind of takes tough twos, but he's capable of making that. Um, I think he's more of a streak shooter, more of a shot maker than an actual shooter. And then just the decision-making. I mean, he has a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, uh, 3.4 assists per game, um, uh, to 3.8 turnovers per game. And he's not a guy that I want consistently making uh, the decisions for me on a primary role. Who kind of reminds me a little bit of a uh, blend of Collins, Sexton, and Eric Bledsoe. Um, but I think he's a guy that can easily average 20 points a game, and you want to put him in the right fit with more facilitating point guard. All right, your team is on the clock with the fourth pick. Who are you taking? Uh, Got to go with Tyrese Maxey. Got to go with Tyrese Maxey here. This is a guy that's bumping up every chart only because there's some nights he can give you 12 to 15, which is great for averaging a young freshman coming in, and then there's nights where he can give you 28, 29, 20, 22, this is a guy that can really score the ball all three levels, very fast, knows how to get downhill, gets into mid-range pull-ups, which is really hard to find in a college guy to have be a really good second-level scorer. So when the NBA level is facing, this is going to be a guy that can really score coming down in transition, going downhill. He's really good coming off of PNRs as the person that gets, receives the ball, mess off like double drags. He's a really good scorer. Yeah, for me, I got, I mean, I've already gone with Edwards, Anthony, and Wiseman. I still have a mellow ball on my board. You know, I'm not the biggest believer in his translation to the NBA just because of that jump shot that I don't necessarily see sticking. That's mm-hmm. personally my opinion. So I'm going to take him at four. The passing vision is absolutely there. The length is there. This is a guy that is going to be a point guard in this league at six, 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 seven, with length, with size. So for me, it's going to be hard to pass on him at four, but I just don't see the offensive game stepping up. He's going to need to be, in my opinion, a guy that plays alongside a scoring guard. Uh, yeah. So that's a situation thing, right? If, if it's a situation sort of like the Ben Simmons role where he, 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 he sort of thrives when he has shooters around him, when he has guys that can score so he can focus on doing what he does best, which is playing in transition and getting others involved, he could absolutely become an all-star in that role. But if he has to initiate offense and score as well, then I start to wonder how that fit works in the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Before I have Isaac Carl. I think he has one of the highest scores in the draft. 
potential three and D type of guy. I believe he is the best wing defender in this draft. He did an excellent job on Anthony Edwards in, in their matchup against uh, UGA defending for the prime uh, for the primary most of the game. He's a guy they can fin fin one through four, stout body, long arms, and the question really here is his offensive game. Uh, just averaging 12 points a game. There's nothing really advanced about his game. He has flash, uh, step back jumper. He's a good feel for the game. Um, he can. He's a good passer. I not necessarily a playmaker, but he really can thrive as someone that can penetrate and kick, penetrate and dump off. So he has a good feel uh, for that. I do believe his shooting. He's shooting 25% from three, uh, but I do like the mechanics. Shooting is one of those things that can. He improves. He's shown he has touch, and he's in the right situation. I trust his three-point percentage to increase. All right, I got a question for you guys, especially um, Yuvon and Jamel as well. I have not seen a lot of draft boards with either of the players you selected at four. Um, he kind of just shed a little bit more light why you see those uh, two guys going that high? Well, on Kentucky stage, you're going to find them in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight stages at worst, more so in the last couple of years they've been in these rounds, even in their worst positions with Hero being guys who have a really good NBA player, NBA-level players to step up for you. And Max is that guy. Even if he's shooting probably about a little bit Less than 30% from the three. I think it was about 29.9 last time I checked. He's a really good scorer. And on the high stages of the March Madness, this is where scouts come in to watch these players in intense situations. And this is a guy that has fun doing this. So this is a guy that's going to score. And on top of that, he's going to bring energy to this team as he's going along with it. And on top of that, he's an elite scorer going forward. And, by, and his playmaking is going to be something that needs to be adjusted going, going getting into the For me, especially in this draft, but most drafts, I want someone with the high floor. And in general, when I put you out on the floor, so you put you out someone on the floor, you want to figure out what can they do when they're on the floor? What can they hang their head on? When I put you on the floor, what I'm expecting. And Isaac Carl, he can defend multiple positions at a high level. You've seen flashes with his jump shot, offense creation. And he plays hard on both ends of the floor. He can do, I think he's a guy that tends to be an elite role player. And really in this draft, um, as mentioned before, it's going to be more about fit. I can understand a lot of fluidity within people's board and really just shaking out to who has what pick. You know, there really may not be a lot of difference in between four and ten. If someone has, if anyone, if someone had Obi Toppin yeah, at five or six or so, I completely understand. I'm sure um, someone will have Obi once we get there. But, like, I completely understand the variance within the board. Yeah. All right, we're about halfway through the list. Let's see who we have at five. I'm just sorry, sorry, I'm going. Oh, sorry, I'll go ahead. But um, I've got a guy that we haven't really talked about yet. That's Denny Avdija, um, yeah. first international prospect we've talked about. He's from Israel. This yes, is sir. a guy that uh, in the U20 European Championships over the summer, and we're talking about Israel, not necessarily a basketball powerhouse. They, he led his team to the victory in the European Championships under 20. He was the MVP of the tournament. Basically, he showed off a game where at six foot eight, he is basically a guy that you can put on or off the ball and be successful. Now, his jump shot isn't all the way there, but 
him in his passing vision and his feel for the game, his basketball IQ being super high, and also just being able to have the success that you've had at the guard position sort of basically across Europe. This is something that, and by no means is this a Luka Doncic comparison, it's something that we've seen that it works. It works. If you are someone that can succeed at that stage, it means that you do have the ability to play at the NBA level. This is a guy that's shown skills for years now, and I think if he does come over, he'll be a guy that can immediately make an impact on the NBA roster. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go fifth. My fifth pick, I actually sad thing. I was I was thinking about him too. Denny Abija from Maccabi Tel Aviv. I really like this game because it's really fast. And when I was able to actually watch a full game, because it's really hard to watch international games, he was a really quick transition player. He learns, he knows how to turn defense to offense. He's the type of guy that's going to go defensive rebound. He shuffles, maybe not be the fast-footed guy on defense, not the best laterally, but he knows how to keep effort in plays. He knows where his team is going to scan to send players. He knows the scouting report. He rebounds. When he's gone on the transition, he knows how to make really good decisions and how to keep the defense on it. And at five, I have Tyrese Maxey. I just see him having just a long career as a scorer. He knows how to score. Although his uh, three-point percentage doesn't really show, he's at 29%. I buy in his jumper, be able to shoot off the bounce, being able to work the pick and roll on catch shoots. Um, he has really good form. He's more of a streak shooter, more of a shot maker than what he's shown. I definitely expect him to be a, a better shooter. And just there's definitely not a build comparison but as far as shooting goes. Bradley Bill showed he was a guy. When you looked at him, you saw him. The jump shot was just beautiful. He just didn't shoot a great percentage, but you knew that it was there. The touch was there that was coming. That's something that I feel about Max. Not the level shooter that Bill is. He's a guy that I expect uh, to shoot much better. And then he's someone that I really value that he shows up in big games. 26 points against Michigan State, um, against Louisville, 27 as well. I think he's more of a school, more of a combo guy. Someone's going to have to play next to a point guard. He's not going to be someone that's going to be a primary facilitator. But when you need someone who can score, uh, whether that's going to be you work around him in the starting line as a two and kind of have – that point guard on the side count to be a six man. Uh Tyrese makes someone I really love. Hey, if you you guys don't mind me asking this, every once in a while I watch a Kentucky game. because uh, mm-hmm. I, I really don't like watching Kentucky at the beginning of the season because that's just not the same season. I mean that's not the same team we're gonna see when it really matters. Mm-hmm. Around February we're gonna hear the magical story of how Kentucky all of a sudden got better. And it's really just because freshmen have now experienced college basketball and now know how to play. And I get this is this is one of those, this version of Kentucky has some older players. We got some sophomores, we got some juniors. Is there anything that you see when Ty- Tyrese Maxey plays point guard or is the lead ball handler that leads you to believe that he will be at minimum serviceable as a as a lead guard or even a secondary playmaker. And this is just from uh, getting everyone else involved aspect in the NBA. For me, he's more of a... Sorry, I'll that once. Um, no, for me, I would say he's more of a... Uh, he's more of an off-the-bench sharpshooter, microwave scorer. Yeah. I just don't see him as that guy that... First of all, his like defensively he's solid, but he doesn't he can't guard multiple positions, right? This is a guy that isn't super long, isn't super big, 
He's someone that can definitely keep up on the perimeter, but he's not someone that I can stick at the three for minutes and, and sort of get him to defend at a high level. So for me, he's someone that I, I know he can score and he's going to score at pretty much every level he plays at. To me, he really reminds me of another uh, former Kentucky guard, and that's Malik Monk. Obviously, it hasn't turned out perfectly in the NBA, but that's the guy that I have a comparison. Yeah, I really like that comparison to Malik Monk. Um, he may not have that type of athleticism, but I, I just feel like that that is a really good comparison for him. And I feel like that he has more natural scoring instincts than Malik Monk. Malik Monk may be a better shooter with the scoring instincts and knowing how to get a bucket. I feel like that advantage falls uh, with Tyrese Maxey. And if you're drafting him, expecting for him to be a, a playmaker, I think you're drafting him the wrong thing. Maybe something you can develop into, but I have not seen anywhere near the consistency of someone that I can rely upon to be a playmaker consistently for you. For sure. All right. Thanks for answering that, guys. Let's go ahead and go into our number six prospect. Anyone start us off? With- I can yeah. start us off if you like. Um, uh, nope, that works. Yeah, okay. So. For me, I'm going to go to Jaden McDaniels, the guy we haven't spoken about yet from Washington. He's just, when you watch him play, you kind of shake your head and get a little frustrated. You're just like, this is someone that has unbelievable length. His three-point shot is there. He's been shooting three with an effective percentage. But then you just kind of watch the game and you wonder sometimes, where is he? Like, why is he not dominating right now? He's not in the Pac-12. He's not playing anyone that has his measurables. So why isn't he dominating? And that's a question I think about often. But I also think it's a question that NBA teams can figure out. Because if you get this guy who has the potential with his athleticism and length to guard, we're saying like four positions, especially puts on some strength, this is someone that's going to be super valuable in the way that the NBA works today. So if I really just I want him to be more consistent on the floor. I've watched a ton of Washington this year, and I haven't seen that, but I still believe that he can do that. So I have a question uh, for you, Matthew, about yeah. Jaden McDaniel. So he's the guy that I believe has arguably a top three to top four ceiling in this draft, the, amongst the highest ceilings in this draft. I love what he brings. I've seen a lot of UW games. I think when it comes down to having him this high, I think the talent is there, but it's how close do you – that he's realized um, he is from realizing that talent. Where do you think he is on that? He's like a, a guy that can really reach his uh, skill set and, and his talent. He's more has more tools than his skill. So how much do you bank? How much do you believe in that? Does he have a higher floor? Like where, where do you kind of see him and where do you see him um, eventually getting to that ceiling if you do have him eventually get in there? Yeah, so for me, like you said, I'm a big believer in his ceiling. I really believe that the two things that he's really just got to focus in on are his, really his mind and his body, really. And what I mean by that is he's just someone that has to get his attitude right on the floor. Not that he a, has a bad attitude by any stretch. It's just sometimes he doesn't necessarily sort of identify when it's time to get going, time to take the team on his back, when it's time to take a step back. When Isaiah Stewart is going off in the paint for whatever, for, for an example, he just... He needs to figure out situations better. And that's sort of the mind part. The body part is, like, he gets pushed around. He, he is un- I watched him live in person. His legs are twigs. Like, his thighs are the size of, like, his arms, right? His, he needs to put on b- weight because he's not going to be able to get to his spots in the NBA. People will push him off. But 
we've seen it work for Brandon Ingram, and they're they're completely different players because McDaniel just doesn't have that creation with the ball in his hands. But mm-hmm. regardless, he we've seen skinnier players succeed, but he is going to need to put on weight. I think if he gets his attitude and his weight up, like he has the skill set to be a successful starter in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead. At number six, I have Tyrese Halliburton. Um, similar to Lamelo, he's another guy that I can see in his prime being a nightly triple-double threat. Him and Lamelo both are the best facilitators in this draft, and you have someone you know, with that size, that skill for the game. Um, I think Lonzo is a pretty good comparison for Tyrese Halliburton, especially when you share the feel for the game, the size, um, the length, the body, and then also the shooting questions. Personally, I will trust what I'm seeing. I know the unorthodox shooting motion, but he's a career 41% three-point shooter. On, that's on four attempts uh, per game. And even this year, he's shooting 38% on more attempts, you know, at, at six per game. So I think he worked the pick and roll. He's going to unlock everybody. And I can really see um, a team who would need him to plunk guard if you have other pieces around or look and try to unlock pieces as well. That he's a guy that can be there. For sure. Well, my sixth pick, I'm going with the sophomore from Dayton, Obi Toppin, only because I was able to watch him during the Hawaii tournament against Kansas and a couple other teams. And he's just a guy that can really score coming out of the post in the mid-isolation game. He was also a guy that can pick and pop. He was really good offensively. And then on defense, when he's locked in, he's the type of guy that can even be a switch defender, come out with fast feet. He's not the type of guy that can stay in front of the best point guards, but he's a guy that can step on a 2-3 and, and keep him contained. He's the type of guy that you want slipping. He's the type of guy that you want at the three and four position for teams that want to play small ball. He's the type of guy that can be a small ball five and be a really good at the mid-range spot up or even possibly more so a three-point corner being a three, a 35% shooter this season on possibly like 31 more attempts. He's a really good shooter and stretches more in stride. But he's a really good scorer going for as a, as a four man. And now let's get into the seventh guy on our list. You go back to Matthew or? Yeah, yeah, I'll start, start it off that. for sure. Um, so for me, that's Isaac Okoro. We've talked about him a little bit. He's someone that I think could rise into the top three or four by the time we we're looking at March. He's not going to be my guy for that last question we got at the end there, but he is someone that I really do think has that potential. And it's it's really sort of his comparison for me, and their body isn't quite the same. I, I see a lot of Jonathan Isaac in him, although Isaac, Isaac is three, four inches taller and a lot longer. They're someone that I, I have the absolute utmost confidence that defensively their game's going to translate in the NBA. Isaac Okoro is a guy that, you know, his length and his strength, athleticism, and pretty much everything that you can ask for defensively is something that he can bring. And I think that's absolutely transferable. The offense is what you're going to work on. And for Isaac, we saw that coming along this year before his injury. And for Jonathan Isaac, they have first name, last name, whole situation there. But for Isaac Okoro... That's something that I've seen him do with actually a pretty decent level of effectiveness. I've been pretty impressed with what he's been able to do offensively at Auburn in a complementary role. And I don't ever see him being a lead scorer on a team, but you can project him. And it's very unlikely that he gets lost in the league. Like he's a guy that floor-wise is one of the higher people that I have in the draft in terms of he's going to be successful in some sort of role in the next level. Yeah, and at seven, um, as we as we mentioned uh, not so long ago, Obi Toppin, I really like what he can bring offensively you know, with his size, his explosiveness. Um, he, he runs the floor like he can sell. 
has good ball skills, um, underrated passer as well. I think just put him in the right situation, especially if you have a point guard that can get him involved, pick and roll, pick and pop, um, someone that can really play those dunker positions. Um, the short roll, either with the jump shot, you know, make a decision, um, and, and pass the ball, spot up, at least be a threat. be necessarily a good three-point shooter. He's at least going to be a threat and be able to attack off the closeouts. Um, there's still some room to go to the to do so, and also second day rim protection. I think more the appeal for him is offensive game, be able to stretch the floor, um, be able to finish um, above the rim and be top. But, All right, let's go ahead and get into guide number eight. Let me, I'll start here. I'll start here. I want to be back off Matthew. For my yeah. eighth pick, I'm going to go Jaden McDaniels from Washington, only because I, when I was able to look to him, I was able to make a full video on him. He's the type of guy that has a floor of like a Billy Preston, a really good 3-4 guy in college, really good wing, but doesn't necessarily know when to turn on that killer mentality or more so when to score in strides for his teammate in order to create better stretches to open up more, open up the floor a little bit more. But he's a really good, he has a lot of talent and that talent has to transition to skill. So that's why I have his floor being more of a Billy Preston and his ceiling being more of an Ingram Durant simply off his size and, and fluidity with the ball and transition. He's really good at getting to the glass. He's a really good finisher. In the mid-range, he's great, similar to Kevin Durant. He has some similar flashes to Kevin Durant at the free throw area, especially coming off of pin-down screens. He's a really good shooter off those pin-down screens, the back screens. Being able to get to that free throw, upper free throw mid-range area, he's a really good scorer. Yeah, I'm into that. Um... I'm going to go with the guy that I kind of have a little bit lower that we mentioned earlier, which is Tyrese Maxey. Like I said before, I just don't see him being a consistent starter because of sort of his lack of defensive potential, basically, and also just due to his playmaking ability, which I don't necessarily think gives him a point guard. He's really a 6'4 shooting guard, which they, they exist in the league and they have tons of success, but they're not high-end starters for the most part. And because of that, I just don't have that same projection that I had with him with a lot of other guys. And that's why I got him at eight. In an eight, I hope I don't butcher his name too bad. Um, I'm sorry to him, but Onyeko Okongu is who I That's have. it. Oh, yeah. There you go. There we go. I've been practicing. I'm glad it worked out here. <laughs> <laughs> For me, this spot really came down to Okongu and James Wiseman. Both of those, they are in very similar modes. Of, well, they're a rim runner. They're a shot blocker. They're a rim threat with some potential for more offensive game. Uh, Okongo, for me, he has more of that intensity. He may not, he's a good athlete, may not be the wise one is, but I get more of a bite to my role. Uh, he's averaging three blocks a game, um, a little 1.1 steals per game as well. And he's shown a little bit of touch with his mid-range jumper as well. I'm not buying into him as far as, like, I'm going to draft him looking for his offense. You know, it's playing that role with runner shot block. And I, I could have Wiseman um, up in this spot kind of moving up. Um, if he shows more of that, if I'm hearing more of what's going to be um, interviews, more I'm talking about more of those type of things in that role. But for right now, that's why I have a problem with because of those reasons. Gotcha. All right, let's go with number nine. I can start that off uh, for number nine. I mean, we literally just talked about him, but Onyeka Okongu is the guy that I have at nine. And that's based off of 
basically he's a guy that you're not going to have any problems with attitude or fit. He's going to go in, he's going to use his length and block shots, rebound the ball, and score on the inside. He does not disguise himself as a three-point shooter. He does not disguise himself as a point forward. He knows his game, and he goes to work every day and does the job well. So for me, that's somebody that I want on my team. And when you have the tools that a Kongu does, and you know your role, like he's been able to do for USC this year, and be very effective in doing that, He's someone that reminds me of Montrez Harrell. I've heard that comparison a ton, and honestly, I fell in love with it. That's really the type of guy that, you know, Harrell knows his role. He can score from the mid-range, he gets to the inside, and gets offensive rebound putbacks. He never stepped outside of his comfort zone, and he's become a top bench player in this league off of that. And because of that, I, I just see very few circumstances where Okongu doesn't succeed at the next level. Oh, uh, well, my night pick. I'm picking Isaac Curl, the Sixers guard from Auburn, simply because he's a really good two-way player coming in, a two-way finisher, as he's a 25% three-point shooter, but shoots 53 from the field goal, which means his two-point has to be very efficient at times. I've seen him, he's really active around the glass, even at, at the two-guard position. When he translates to the NBA, he'll be a type of guy that can be really good in the help, like a Spurs system, but as they have guards rotating in, it's going to be really hard for him to find his transition to which team fits him as fit being one of the bigger point talented draft is about figuring out where he's going to fit, but a really good two-way player coming in, a guy that needs to improve his free throw being a 69% free throw shooter. He's the type of guy that can defend at all multiple positions, one through three, but not the type of guy that's going to give you a lot of possessions on the half court offense level. And here at nine, um, going international, I'm going Killian Hayes here. Um, for me, I really love his size to play the one or I believe um, he's definitely more of the one, averaging over six assists per game in the Euro Cup and, and 12 assists per game. That's going to be 12 points per game. He's very crafty with the ball. He's a left-hander. Um, he's made strides as a shooter, shooting 39% over uh, in Euro Cup with Ulm. And I, I just like his feel for the game, the passing upside with the size, and, and he's just some score potential there as well. All right. And we have our last guy at number 10. Who is your Mr. Relevant Bond? Uh, my 10th, I'm going to finish it out. I want a point guard, and I want Nico Mania from Arizona. A guy I haven't heard much from. He's a really good point guard, played in Italy when he was younger. He's really good at facilitating his understanding when he gets his shot off. He can make really good contested shots. He's, a, he's aggressive. He knows even his last shot in Pepperdine, we, he got scored on by Kobe Ross. He was able to get it with less than right. five seconds, drive to the other end, get a float off the glass to win the game. He's a really aggressive, confident point guard. He knows how to play. He knows how to get his teammates involved, make Zeke Nazi look way better than he actually is. <laughs> he's a really good guy going forward, and I feel like when he gets into the NBA, he's going to be the guy that transcends a team like the Hornets. So I have a question uh, about Nico. You trust him. So if, if you're a team, you're here, um, you're in the top ten, and I'm taking Nico Manning. You trust him as the guy that all right, we draft him, we have the point guard situation filled out. Um, uh, we're good to roll for the next eight to ten years with Nico Manning. Because I just have questions more about his, his functional athleticism, real lack of burst. I love his feel for the game. Um, his three point stroke is good. I just have a tough time buying him being able to consistently score on the NBA, in the NBA level, be able to break down the prison and have that type of dribble. That's understandable. And I, I watched them against Oregon. They were Their zone really got them out of the 
floater range type of game he likes to get into to get going. But even in spurts of the game, you can see that he can get to his spots even in zones. He's, he has a really good mind for the game. And similar like Luka Doncic on the mind side, he's able to manipulate the game and keep his pace. So a team, no matter up or down 10, he knows how to keep his pace in the game in order to keep his team playing the way they were that keeps them effective. And I feel like going forward, that, that really gets him into his stuff every time, every time he gets steps on the court. I feel like with Nico, if he was like 6'6", six, six, if he had kind of like that above Me average different. size there, um, I feel like with, at that height, he's able to, that height and length, he would be able to kind of compensate for some of those with this um, feel for the game with the shooter and then that type. Definitely. For, for sure. Um, so for me, I got Obi Toppin at 10. He's mm. someone that I've always watched. You know, this is his second year. He also had a redshirt year at Dayton. He blew up two years ago. I'm not sure if any of you guys even noticed this, but he was at uh, Chris Buckley's uh, camp. You know, the one yeah, where yeah, Mello came all about. And yeah. he had this poster dunk on an NBA guy. I forget who. And I was just like, who is this guy? Because this is the year he was redshirting at Dayton. And last year, I was watching them. He was really a solid complimentary piece. This year, he comes out. Dayton's been nationally ranked all season. He's been scoring. He's been defending. He's been making those highlight plays. And you know what? He might not be the most projectable guy. I don't see him becoming an all-star. But you can't lie with production. And for someone to have really that 6'9 frame and be that athletic, being able to shoot with three, and do it at an efficient level, sorry, sort of at the college game, it's, it's going to be pretty tough for him to, to sort of fail in the NBA. And, you know, like he might not be that superstar, but at 10, you know, if you can take a role player who's going to be effective for you, I'd do that. Yeah. And at 10 for me, I'm going with Denny Ajbia. Uh, I just love his, his size and skill level. He doesn't do one particular thing great, but he does a lot of things very well. I can run a little bit of a point four for you at times. Uh, my comp for him, I see a little bit of a Boris Diaw when I, um, he's a kind of prototype on um, someone at that at that size who can do a little bit of everything and is a good fit, especially in today's NBA. Makes sense. Definitely. All right. Well, we need, we need an honorable mention, man. You said you want to talk about him. Gotta bring him. Oh, <laughs> gotta we bring doing an honorable mention. Let's go. I gotta bring him up. Jemias Ramsey, Texas Tech. Now, I know Thank he got injured maybe to the beginning of his season, but this is a guy that can score. A big Oladipo guy, not the four-year product, but this is a guy that can score. And when I was able I, I was able to see him in person play a couple times when he was in high school, he's the type of guy that has a really good frame for an NBA body. And when he works on his body, he gets strong over that summer process. If he chooses to say it declare, he's going to be a guy going to the NBA that can really score the ball. Now, his playmaking vision, like with most guards, his decision-making isn't the best. But when he learns that his scoring looks can open up more for his teammates on the pro level, he's going to have way better players around him. Even if he has Terrence Shannon around him now, he's going to be a guy that can really affect the NBA. Guys, I'm going to be completely honest, uh, honest with you. I am a uh, Dallas homer. That is where I live. Uh, for the most part, I... I scout on the high school level to see exactly what we're looking at and um it was my first year in dallas and i got to see both of those guys play multiple times throughout the season here um and both by both of those guys i'm talking about jamias ramsey and tyrese maxey mm -hmm. those dudes are dogs and i know it's a completely different game from high school to um 
to pro, but them boys are ready. And uh, <laughs> I, I I feel bad about Jamias is uh, injury because I could that actually leads me to the next thing. Out of all the prospects that we've talked about today, out of all the prospects in the country, I truly think Jamias Ramsey would have got the most exposure during March Madness that would have got him um, almost automatic first round looks because he he would have he would have been too impressive throughout. Let's say let's let's give him the first two weekends. Uh, that te- Texas Tech team is solid. But what Texas Tech does is have a great way of making their wings and guards look really good. And uh, I, I think Jemias would have strung alone maybe like one or two games. That would have been enough for people to be like, oh, okay, he's ready. <laughs> Absolutely. So, with that said, who are your guys or guy who from March Madness, that is going to be the thing that kind of shoots their stock up? Mm-hmm. Well, I could start because I've been thinking about this for day. I got day. I had days. Uh, I want to take two players, two players, two teams. First, going for my guy Rashad Phillips. He put me on to him. Guy from Northern Iowa, AJ Green. This is a guy from the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah. Really good score. Larry Bird like release. Probably about six four in person. He's really good at scoring the ball. Plays mistake. Free basketball, as the other one said. He's a guy that can limit turnovers for your team. He gets teams into the game. He's quiet, but also very loud with his gameplay. He's going to be the type of guy that can really burst brackets for the first round seeds. And then my second guy, I got Seton Hall and Miles Powell, simply because I was able to see what they were able to do without Miles Powell, and they were able to show the defense on a nationally ranked level. And it's just, it was crazy. And when he came back, they're an unbeatable team in the Big East. The Big East is one of the better conferences going forward. I see them being a sweet 16 Elite Eight team. For sure. For me, me, I'm going to go with someone that, because, you know, if you're going to make an actual impact in March Madness, and that's your John Morant last year, who literally no one saw, you're going to need to be playing three, four, five games into the tournament. And so I'm looking Mm. at teams that I project to be going deep, making Final Four runs. And for me, the guy that I think does not have enough love, he definitely gets college love, but not enough NBA love, is Peyton Pritchard. I mean, yes, sir. sure, he yes, doesn't have the most projectable game to the NBA, and that's fair enough. You know, he's not the quickest. He can't jump overwhelmingly high. He's not going to make highlight plays. But, you know, this is a guy that has probably been a top three Oregon Duck of all time and his four years at Oregon. He's mm. from the area. He's played there for four years. And really what you've seen is a guy that is unfazed. I don't know if you guys saw his game winner yesterday. Mm-hmm. Against Washington, <laughs> Definitely. <but laughs> that, that's Peyton Pritchard, right? He, he's seen it all. He's battle-tested. And when you talk about the national spotlight in March Madness, like that's not going to phase Peyton Pritchard. He, last year they were an underdog and they made it all the way, I think it was to the Elite Eight. Yeah. Um, and then that's, that was not his first run in March Madness before. He's been through this. I really like Oregon as a team. I think they have a ton of good pieces. I think they can absolutely be a Final Four roster. And with Pritchard leading the way and just being unfazed and being clutch, playing his game, that's going to impress a lot of people that maybe didn't see him at the NBA level because this guy's fully capable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really loving these picks uh, by everyone. Absolutely loving it. Um, I, I got two two guys, and similar to Matthew, I'm looking at someone 
whose team can go further um, and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And we actually saw him last night. And I'm going to go with Cassius Stanley. I think he fits a three and D mold. He's on a Duke team who's projected to go far. I mean, with this year's um, field, anything can really happen. You know, so he may, they may get knocked out early, but, I mean, just off projection, should have a deep run. As long as you continue to shoot the ball, shooting 39% uh, from the field on just under two and a half uh, three-point attempts per game. Uh, so for me, if he continues to show that he can be a versatile defender and he continues to show um, that athleticism, we also he does athletic with that length. It's just him continue um, to develop in the half court. I mean, he's excellent transition as a finisher. He's developing uh, more shot creation, but mainly just being able to knock down open three-pointers. And then I'm, I'm going to go with the nation's leading scorer at Marquette, Marcus Howard. I had the pleasure of watching him yesterday live against Georgetown. Uh, drop 42 points with a lot of clutch bucks. It's the most points I've seen live from a college player, so he definitely did not disappoint. He's after 28 points a game. And what's important here is he's shooting 43% from three, and he's a career 43% three-point shooter as well. If Marcus Howard was 6'3", he would be an, I think, an easy top eight pick. He has. He's oh, he would have been, right been in the NBA already. Yeah, he's unfair right now. <laughs> he wouldn't be. Actually, right. He would not be here. Just this combination of a creative dribble, the shooting, the tough shots that he's able to hit. Um, he scores a variety of different ways. You can run him off off ball screens, play the pick and roll. He has the floater, the pull up, uh, the step back. He has all that in his package. And um, just be able to have. That uh, to be able to shoot on that level earlier this year, um, it was the Orlando Classic, um, dropping back to back 40 points a game, uh, um, 40 piece games once against Dayton and followed um, that up against Oklahoma, where it was just silly the shots that he was just hitting. It looks like it's going to go in. He's extremely um, confident. I understand what you're going to do defensively, kind of have to hide him a little bit, but he does give effort defensively. And I think the biggest thing for him, if he's not shooting, uh, what is he going to do from the floor? And he's been able to show that he has in some playmaking, but it has to be consistent. But he's a microwave type of scorer uh, that I absolutely love. He's in that Miles uh, Powell type of prototype. Um, Miles was a little bigger, but I trust the shooting from Marcus Howard. And if he actually goes to Portsmouth, uh, I think it would be a good thing for him. I think he's going to continue to get the scouts um, talking about him. But especially in the tournament, I can easily see him going on a um, Carson Edwards type of run. I like it. I do too, man. Uh, guys, I really appreciate you stopping and almost spending an hour of your day with me. Oh, we like, oh, oh. Yeah, man. Uh, I really appreciate everything you guys have said and given us today. So let's go ahead and have you guys uh, sign off. Tell the people where they can find you and they can get in contact with you and where uh, your work can be found. And let's start with Bon. On Twitter, Instagram, Wavy B. Vaughn. I'm really trying to change that to make me a little more professional. <laughs> <laughs> but if you search Bon Do Scouting, even my YouTube is Bon Do Scouting. I'm trying to get really in tune with that, you know, being a college sophomore. But that's where you can find me for now. 
Gotcha. Yeah. And for me, um, Matthew Winnick, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-W-I-N-I-C-K. I got Twitter, Instagram, basically any social media you can think of. That's my handle. I thought about this ahead when I was younger, of course. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on basically any social media at Keep It Consistent. And um, I'm still writing my draft board series for the lead sports media on Twitter. Uh, we've got part two coming out in about a week. And you can also find me talking college basketball at Bustin' Brackets. Yes, sir. And nice, you can find me, Jamel Hines. You can find me on Twitter at Jam on the Boards, J-M-O-N-T-H-E-B-O-E-R-D-S, Jam on the Boards on Twitter. And also, like Matthew, uh, do work um, with draft coverage uh, for the Lee Sports Media. You can find uh, me on there and also on our other account, uh, the Draft Lead as well. All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate appreciate it. Please go uh, look at their work. I watched a few of Bond's videos on YouTube. He does an amazing job of uh, the detailing. Jamel is just at a talent. You heard all of the things and knowledge he has. And um, as far as Matthew, you really need to go wa- uh, read that part one. That part one for his draft uh, article. It's, it's literally everything you can ask for the top 13 prospects. I can't wait to see Much appreciated. <laughs> Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank I you. you. I, sat, I sat there for about like an hour and was like, yes, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> all right. So I appreciate you guys. You can find all of our work at thetravelinghooper.com. You can also find us on YouTube, uh, Twitter, all, all social medias, you know. Uh, but again, thank you for tuning in. And again, thanks for our guests for being here. Uh, again, have a great night. You guys have a great day. Thank you too. Thanks for having us. Let's do it again soon. Of yes, course. Sir. Yes.